Rock family. How are we doing? Good, good, good. Are you awake? Uh, are you guys awake yet? Yeah, some people are. All right. <laughs> it's good to see you guys. Um, again, as Pastor Daniel said, my name is Scott Helmbold, and this is my beautiful wife, Geneve, and we are on the leadership team here at The Rock. I help out with um, our international missions programs, and Geneve oversees all of our communications. So right? if you ever see anything wrong, you can just let me know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so Scott and I recently became parents, and uh, we take every opportunity to show off our little guys. So this is Jace. He's going to be six months old in a couple of days, which is so crazy how fast it goes. Um, he has, like, the biggest smile in the world. He, he gets his big mouth from his mama, for sure. And he also already loves chips, just like his mama. But don't worry, he also has um, some traits from the Helmbold side. And uh, we're going to take a little video, uh, watch a little video. Yeah, I thought he was dead too. who don't know Scott and I very well, one of the traits of the Helmbold family um, is that they have stories, really long, drawn-out stories that keep going and going and going. And apparently our son already has it. It's like innate in him. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't know. I've never, well, I shouldn't say never. I, I guess I have fallen asleep before. Yeah, I, I think that's happened a, a few times. It's not one of our prouder characteristics, you know, but for some reason in the Helmbold gene, there's this need that we feel uh, that if only 20 words are needed to explain something, we'd much rather take 80. And so, although I haven't ever fallen asleep on myself, I haven't ever put myself to sleep, I usually find most of the things I have to say pretty intriguing. But, you know, I'm starting to realize at my age that I guess not everybody feels the same way. <laughs> you, you know, um, we're excited to, to be here this morning, and we're honored to have the privilege to just speak to you from, from God's Word. And is it all right if we just become a little bit transparent? We have a little bit of family time for the next hour, yes. three hours until we let you go. Just kidding. For, for, for the next half hour, 35 minutes or so. You all don't need lunch, right? <laughs> <laughs> Remember, I'm long-winded. That's a Helmbold characteristic. So anyhow, um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, maybe about two and a half weeks ago, Geneva and I, we were finishing up watching a series on Netflix. And no, it wasn't like a binge watch or anything. We had been watching something over a period of, you know, a couple months. And so we, um, we were at, at the final episode. And there was this really random passage of Scripture that ends up getting read during a scene where there's a wedding that's going on. And it's a, an obscure enough passage where if you're not familiar with the passage, you might not even recognize that it comes from the scriptures. And so as it's being read, I said to Geneva, I said, that, that's a biblical passage. And Geneva's like, what? And I said, yeah, it, it really is. How do you, and Geneva's like, how do you even know that? That sounds like the most obscure passage in the world. Because it, 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 was, it sounded just like a beautiful poem. And, and so I said, well, here's the thing. Um, I grew up listening to Tiger Baseball. 
and I am very familiar with the voice of the late Ernie Harwell. And every single year, right before the very first spring training game, Ernie Harwell would recite these two verses out of the Bible, um, and it became known as Ernie Harwell's The Voice of the Turtle. And so as I'm explaining this to Geneve, she's just like, okay, you're, you're such a dork, like, to, to be able to, like, re- remember all of this. And, and it's true. But here's what was, was, was funny. Last weekend, we're sitting over there in the back row, and Pastor Kimberly gets up, and, you know, we're all excited to hear her because she's out here from Anaheim. And she says, would you turn in your Bibles with me to the Song of Songs, chapter 2, verses 11 and 12 is where we're going to focus. And it happened to be the same passage of Scripture that we saw in this concluding episode to an entire television series. And if you weren't here last week, it reads like this, For lo, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone, the flowers appear on the earth, the time of singing has come, and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. And so I kind of leaned over to Geneva, and I was like, that's the that's the passage that we just heard the other day. And Geneve just kind of thought about it a second. She's like, you're right, it is. And so we were kind of like weirded out, but like in a good way, you know, it's like because this is such an obscure passage. I mean, this isn't like reading the account of David and Goliath or Noah's Ark or John 3.16 or any of those other famous passages or verses that we just, we just know because we've grown up. You know, and the TV series, by the way, is not a Christian TV series. So it wasn't like, you know, right. like they would just talk about the Bible all the time. <laughs> right. And again, so we knew that the Lord was going to be speaking to us because reading, you know, just a couple of obscure verses from the Song of Songs is probably not going to be a real familiar passage to, to most people. And you're probably not even going to hear it unless you end up doing some kind of an exegetical study of that entire book. And so, anyway, if, again, if you weren't here last weekend, one of the things that Pastor Kimberly was really, really emphasizing was how the Lord had strongly been impressing upon her heart and her spirit that the seasons of winter that the people of our church body, not just here in Kalamazoo, but, you know, for all of the rock, that those seasons of winter are over. And that it's time for us to begin to sing as we worship the Lord in anticipation of new life that is in bloom with the spring and the summer seasons that are upon us. And so we were really excited to hear about that because we, Geneva and I personally, have been in uh, a bit of a winter season that's been, we're closing in on about two years now, aren't we? And so... It's, it was a very, very timely word, um, I think, for a lot of people, but for us in particular. And so as we were kind of praying about what, what to share this week, we decided, you know what, we're just going to be, gonna be uh, open. We're going to be transparent with you because there's a lot of times when we hear testimonies about what's going on in people's lives, it's after the fact. It's after God has shown up. What about the people who are in the midst of that season or they're in the midst of that storm and the God just continues to give them just enough to remind them, I'm here, I'm here. So that's where we're going today. 
So anyhow, a lot of us might believe that if we're followers of Jesus Christ, that we, we shouldn't have to experience seasons of drought or winter or go through these various storms. But here's the thing. When we look at God's word, we see example after example after example of person who had their own seasons of struggle their own cold winters where they had to wait on the Lord to show up or else they were just going to be toast. They were just going to be done for. You know, and so when we look at the accounts of Abraham, Joseph, Moses, Joshua, David, Isaiah, Jeremiah at one point even becomes so like hurt and distraught that in chapter 20, verse 7, he actually cries out to the Lord, and the Hebrew word was patah, which means that's the word that is translated into the word seductus in Latin, which is where we get the word seduce. He actually says, God, you have seduced me. You've tricked me. You've manipulated me into the season that I'm in. Now, we know that is not God's character. That is not his nature, but it was how he felt in that moment. And yet God restored him because in a few chapters later, we end up seeing that the Lord is giving Jeremiah the words that we know so well. But my plans are to prosper you and to give you a hope and a future. And a couple verses after that, he says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. But then, so that's Old Testament, but what about New Testament? Well, the Apostle Paul had had a life that was anything but easy as a follower of Jesus Christ. Shipwrecked multiple times, bitten by snakes, flogged and beaten and left for dead, imprisoned. This guy had some long seasons of winter and some serious storms that he went, went through, okay? And then even Jesus himself... Hours before he's about to be nailed to a cross from the Garden of Gethsemane, he looks up at his father. Is there a plan B? There wasn't. There wasn't. There's um, a British journalist Um, by the name of G.K. Chesterton, who is also um, a brother in the faith, who said, the Christian ideal has not been found, uh, the Christian ideal has um, not been tried and found wanting. It's been found difficult and left untried. Let me read that again. The Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It's been found difficult and left untried. We have an awful lot of examples, both in biblical accounts as well as post-biblical personalities who have been through some really, really difficult seasons. But there are also people who have experienced God move in mighty and powerful ways. That, and, and, and the reason they experienced him like that was precisely because of how they trusted in God's methods in his ways, in spite of the circumstances that were swirling around him. And because they didn't give up, because they continued to stay the course, again, God showed up in ways that were mind-blowing, leaving these people 
and a sense of awe and wonder. Typically, seasons like winter are, are going to be different than storms. We talk about different seasons of life, and we talk about storms sometimes as followers of Jesus Christ. And the, a little bit of, just to explain the difference, seasons are usually long. They last months. Storms usually last for a few hours, unless you're in Michigan where we literally have storm seasons scattered throughout our calendar year. But both provide opportunities for the Lord to show up in powerful and incredible ways that allow us to experience him in ways that we might not have been able to otherwise. What I want to do is I want to take a look at Matthew chapter 14, and we're going to take a peek at an account that's well-known about Jesus' disciples and how they literally had to weather a storm. So we're going to go to Matthew 14. We're going to focus on verses 22 to 23, and this is going to be read in the NLT version. Immediately after this, which was the feeding of the 5,000, they had just finished feeding the 5,000, and now here we are. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills to pray by himself. Night fell while he was there alone, and meanwhile the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid, he said, take courage, I am here. And then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat, walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and he began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. And Jesus reached out and grabbed him. Oh, you have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. And then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the Son of God. Now, for the past couple of years, whenever I've read that particular passage of Scripture, that narrative of Peter walking on water, I'm reminded of the importance of trying to empathize with the disciples. And so what I want to do, just let, let me do a quick recap of what has been going on in their life over the past 24 hours, okay? The previous morning, they had woke up, they're hanging out with Jesus, they find themselves in a situation where thousands upon thousands of people are gathering because they want to hear what Jesus has to say. There's no food. We know the story of the, the fish and the loaves and how Jesus feeds 5,000 men. Most scholars would estimate that there were probably at least 20,000 people that were actually there. And so their, their faith is soaring. They've watched Jesus feed, you know, 20,000 people with a Lunchable. And now all of a sudden, Jesus says to them, okay, guys, pack it up. I need you guys to get in the boat, head on across the lake. I'll catch up. You're not going with us? No, just I'll, I'll catch up. And so Jesus sends, sends them out. Jesus goes off, spends some 
time in prayer with the Father. And then the word tells us that night fell while Jesus was by himself. So it was daylight when he sent the disciples out. It was nighttime when Jesus decided to go to them. So let's say that it's early in the summer. Let's say it's around 8 o'clock. So maybe there's still a little bit of daylight when the disciples cast off the shore. And it's around 3, somewhere between 3 a.m., 6 a.m. when Jesus actually goes to them. And so legitimately, it is a reasonable assessment to believe that the disciples have been in this storm, in the boat at least, for anywhere from 7 to 10 hours. Okay? And so I don't know how much time any of you have been able to spend on a boat out on a lake. Um, I've been privileged to actually spend thousands of hours um, on a lake, on a boat, and I can tell you that even if it's a beautiful 85-degree day, if there is a rain, it doesn't take long for you to begin to feel chilled. And so the disciples are out there for 7 to 10 hours before Jesus shows up. They're cold, hungry, they're physically exhausted. They might be fighting hypothermia, okay? And they're struggling to stay awake. I would even go as far as to say that maybe even some disciples might have been a little bit irritated with Jesus that he sent them out across the lake without him. You know, I I, I can imagine like um, Thomas going up to James and saying, dude, why didn't the master come with us? I don't know. He just told us to get in the boat and go. All right, well, do you remember a few months back when we were in a storm like this and he was sleeping and we woke him up and he just yawned and said, peace, be still, and then boom, the weather obeyed him? That would come in handy like right now, okay? So I can imagine that they might even be a little bit irritated uh, by the fact that Jesus didn't go with them, you know? How many of you guys have ever been frustrated with the Lord? Like, let's be honest. Let's just, real time, right? It's okay, I know I have been frustrated with the Lord, especially when he tells you to do something and you get in the boat and then you hit a storm, right? The disciples, Jesus insisted to them and said, you go. So in obedience, they got into that boat to get to the other side. In obedience, they hit that storm. And I don't know about you, but a lot of times for me, I'm like, Lord, didn't you tell me to do this? Like, I thought this was going to be easy. Like, you told me, right? You gave me the instruction. You gave me the direction. And now here I am in the middle of a storm. What is going on? Uh, Right after Scott and I came back from China in July of 2015, which was almost two years ago, which is crazy, um, we prayed about what's next. We were in China teaching English, and then um, we were coming back to see, you know, what, do we go get jobs? You know, where should we go work? And as we were praying, we really felt like Scott was supposed to get this one-year internship at the Red Cross because he wanted to be a nonprofit, and I was not supposed to get a job, which is crazy because I love working. And all of you guys know how great internships pay, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, the last two years, it's kind of been that season for us where um, we got this direction from the Lord, and here we are in the boat, and we're rowing and we're straining, and the storm has come, and the wind's in our face, and we kind of don't see the shore. How many of you guys have ever been a place where 
you you uh, heard from the Lord, you go out in faith, and you can't even see behind you anymore, and you definitely can't see in front of you. Like, where am I going? Right? Where am I headed? And not only that, you're trying to push and get through it, and the wind's just coming against you. And you're looking out, and all you see is the stormy weather and the waves, and you don't even see Jesus at all. And sometimes in the midst of that, you can think, he doesn't even know I'm here. He doesn't even know what I'm going through. And I love it in Mark because in Mark it says this. In Mark 6.48, it talks about this account, but it says this about Jesus. He saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and waves. Jesus went up to the hill, and from the hill he saw the disciples out. And it says he saw them struggling. He saw them struggling. Don't think that God doesn't see you. Because he does. He sees you in the midst of that storm. He sees every bead of sweat coming off your face, straining to get to the other side. He sees it. He sees it. Sometimes when we look at the external, what's happening around us, right, uh, it can really put some fear in us. When you look at it and you're like, oh my goodness, I don't know what to do. But how many of you guys know that What's happening on the outside, the external, the physical, and what we experience, it doesn't have to afflict us on what's on the inside. Some of you guys might be going through a lot of stress, anxiety, fear. Some of you guys might actually be experiencing that, and you don't even know it because you've been in it for so long, and this is just now a norm for you. You just operate from a place of stress, anxiety, and fear. And let me just tell you, that's not, what God, that's not God's best for you. And that's not the Lord's will for you. He wants peace for your life. And I pray that that's broken in Jesus' name, Amen. that you receive that peace from the Lord. Amen? Amen? What's happening on the outside doesn't have to come on the inside. A boat doesn't sink because of the water. It sinks because of the water that gets inside, right? Trials and tribulations come our way, and a lot of times we think, man, I just hit the storm. I'm going through this trial, and it must not be God. And that's not true. It's not true. The disciples, in obedience, got into that boat and hit the storm. Sometimes trials and tribulations come when we're in alignment with God. The walk with Jesus is not easy. It's not easy. Just like Scott was saying, a lot of us might think that once you know the Lord, it's smooth sailing from here, right? But it's not like that. Life happens. But this is what's so encouraging. There is purpose in the storm. There is a reason that we're going through it, and we're going to look at that. In Mark 6.48, right after it says that Jesus saw them in serious trouble, I mean, it's serious, right? Rowing hard, struggling against the wind and the waves, and then it says, about three o'clock in the morning. Now, we know that the disciples went out when it was still daylight, so that's about eight o'clock, and then it wasn't until three in the morning until Jesus came toward them. That means that Jesus saw from the hill, and then he let them struggle a little bit. He let them go through that storm. Now, why is that? James 1, 2 through 5 says this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking and nothing. See, God 
does care about what's happening on the outside and the storm and you straining. But God cares even more about what's happening on the inside. That you may be made perfect, lacking nothing. Y'all know that when you go through a storm, this probably isn't the only storm you're ever going to go through. Right? When you go through a storm in life and the storm ends, that's not it. There might be more coming. And God is saying, look, I care so much more about what's happening on the inside of you to prepare you for what's coming next. Isn't that true? And here's the good news. The stormy season is not forever. It's called a season for a reason, right? Because seasons come and go. Seasons come and go. You know, we cannot grow stronger or build endurance without resistance. When we lift weights and we work out a muscle and we get strong, there is some ouch in that, right? I don't know about you, but I really hate working out. Um, I hate running. I went bowling once, and um, I was sore the next day, and that's real. That just shows, shows you how much I don't like to exercise. But we all know that there is no way to strengthen yourself, your muscles, your core, unless you exercise. And it's not easy. It hurts, right? She was using a child's bowling ball, too. Don't tell them all my secrets. But a lot of times when we're going through the storm, all we're thinking is, God, take the storm away or take me out of the storm, right? Either quiet it or move me away so that it's a lot easier. But I want us to look at what happened in this account. It says that um, when Jesus saw them, he went to them at three in the morning. Jesus didn't take the disciples out of the storm. He didn't move the storm either. He went and joined them in the storm. He went and walked toward them to be with them in the storm. How many of you guys remember uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? The three guys who wouldn't bow down to the false gods, right? They wanted to worship the one true God. And then they got thrown into the fire because of it. God didn't take the fire away. God didn't even take them out of the fire. God was there in the midst of it, with them in the fire. And because of that, we see this miracle that happens. They became fireproof, right? The fire that should have taken them down didn't affect them at all. And a lot of times in storms, that's what happens. Jesus comes into the midst of the storm with you. And then we get to experience the miraculous because every problem that we have is just an opportunity for something miraculous to happen. And we get to be a part of that. In Matthew, it says, when they, Peter and Jesus, got back into the boat, the wind seized. And those who were in the boat came and worshiped him and said, truly, you are the son of God. You know, sometimes it takes a storm for us to recognize Jesus. It takes the hardship. It takes us straining to recognize just how close God is to us. For us to say, there you are. You really are the son of God. 
Scott finished his one-year internship at the Red Cross last August, and he's been looking for a full-time job ever since, and that was nine months ago. And so it's been nine months in the one year since we've uh, started this journey, and it's been hard. And his current job allows him to work from home, and sometimes he gets 130 hours a month, and sometimes he only gets 50, and so it fluctuates a lot. But let me tell you something about this season. We have never recognized Jesus like this before. We have never uh, clung to our solid rock like we have before. And we've never seen breakthrough in the supernatural in our life like this ever before. There's one month when Scott and I, we weren't able to pay for our mortgage. And, uh, and, and something about us is, you know, we're really, really good at partnering together and praying. Um, and there's a lot of praying in the secret, right? Uh, I don't know about you guys and how you guys pray, you know, um, and it's so good to grab brothers and sisters with you to join in prayer with you. Um, but a lot of times Scott and I, we grab each other's hands and we pray in secret. We pray with each other and we just know, God, you've got this. You've got this. And I was feeding Jace one day and it was that month. We, we were like, I don't know how this is going to happen, but Lord, we need you and you are all we need. And I was feeding Jace and there was a knock at the door. And I asked Scott to go and uh, get the door, and he's like, are you, are you expecting a package? And I was like, no. I don't, wait, I don't think so. I don't know. With Mama Brain right now, I might have gotten something, but I don't remember. But I don't think I have. And so he comes in, and he just has a package in his hand, and it just has our name on it, no return address or anything. And uh, we opened it up, and, uh, and then we just started crying because uh, it was as if heaven opened up and someone just dropped money at our front door, and it was enough to pay for our mortgage and more, and more, and thank you, Lord, and the thing is, um, nobody knew, nobody knew, nobody knew that we couldn't pay our mortgage that month, it wasn't the thing that we shouted on top of the mountain, it wasn't the thing that we shared even among friends, it was something that we prayed for in secret, and the Lord drops it on someone's heart and provides it for you, supernaturally, supernaturally see we are we the season that we've gone through is not just one where now we know god is all we need now we've experienced that god is all we need when we only had ten dollars left in our account but we still had a fridge full of groceries or when we only had five diapers left in the drawer but somebody just comes and gives us 150 diapers in a box supernatural supernatural it's not comfortable but on the inside god does a deep work on the inside of you and me so that we can be complete and perfect and lacking nothing i look back on the season and um the growth that we've had how much closer we are um how we function as a family i wouldn't give the season up for anything because what's happened on the inside is not something that you can pay for it's a working inside of us that brings us closer to Jesus. And again, every problem, every storm that we face, man, the supernatural just happens like that in the midst of it. And, and it's so important because I, I love this too. When Paul, uh, when Peter looked at Jesus and said, tell me to come, and he comes and he, he walks on water 
And then he starts looking at the waves and he gets scared and he starts to sink. He cries out to the Lord and Jesus is immediately there for him and grabs his hand. And that's the season that we have to be in where we say, Lord, even if I'm, I'm walking in the supernatural, sometimes I get frustrated. Sometimes I'm looking at the storm and I get scared and I don't know what's going to happen next. And I don't know how this is happening and I don't know if I can sustain it. And we cry out to the Lord and he's right there. And he takes you out. And he says, I'm right here with you in the storm. As long as we focus and keep our eyes on Jesus. One of the things Jesus says in John's, uh, John's gospel, God's gospel, John's gospel, chapter <laughs> 16, verse 33. He says, I have told you all this. He's talking to his disciples. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Now, the last part of that verse you might see on a coffee cup, you you know, take heart, I've overcome the world, quote Jesus. And it's true, but a lot of people will kind of ignore the, the precursor to that where Jesus is preparing us by saying, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart. Some translations say, but have courage, because I have overcome the world. And I'm really, really grateful that Jesus ended up phrasing this the way that he did, that he ended by saying, I have overcome the world. You know, what if he had switched it? What if he had flipped it? And he had said to his disciples, look, guys, I've overcome the world, but even so, life is going to stink sometimes, okay? That, <laughs> you don't end on a note like that. That's, that's, that's not encouraging at, at all. And I've got, if I'm going to be honest here, I think I would probably have to say, I've been guilty of saying in the past, you know what? God is so good, but this season's really dark. But you see, that reveals an awful lot about us. How we end our senses, how we end our statements, that what is what tends to show what we most strongly believe. And so, again, sometimes Geneva and I have to catch ourselves. You know, this winter season that we are exiting by faith, uh, there have been times it's really, really stunk. It has not been a fun season. But in the midst of this season, as Geneva's pointing out, we've been able to see God come through over and over and over just enough to remind us, I'm still here, I'm still here, I'm still here. This past week we started, yeah, it was this past week we started singing a little bit more in the Helmbold household because that was another part of the word of the Lord that Kimberly brought to us last week. Oswald Chambers says, faith never knows where it is being led, but it loves and knows the one who is leading. As we start to wrap things up here, let me just encourage you by saying that regardless of what you're going through right now, continue to worship the Lord with singing every day as you continue to believe that your winter season or your storms are over.
Not that they won't come again later, but you are exiting out of one of those seasons right now. And keep your eyes on Jesus, no matter what. It doesn't mean that you're oblivious to the fact that winter is cold and, you know, that when you're in sub-freezing temperatures that it's, it's, you don't deny the fact that it's bitter or that it's cold. You're not oblivious to that. When you're in a storm, you're not oblivious to the fact that there's strong winds and waves and water leaking into the boat. What it does mean is that your focus is on Jesus. And these external circumstances don't detract you from keeping your focus on him. And then in the midst of that, you get to wait for Jesus to come join you in the midst of that season or storm. Winter is over, people. Be on the lookout for new life and bloom and continue to sing as you remember all the good things that God has done for us. 